brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, we're going to be talking about children in the middle, divorce abuse. And this is divorce abuse, meaning the abuse of children after a divorce. You know, a lot of people don't realize, but, you know, when divorces don't go well, the real victims are the children. In any divorce, if there's children involved, they are the victims because they have no choices here. And, uh, you know, the amazing thing is, is that people have the audacity to have sex, get married, uh, do all these great things with each other, uh, intermingle their families, communicate, wake up every morning, support each other here and there, maybe have a lot of arguments, but the bottom line is they tell each other they love each other, and then the next thing you know, they're getting divorced, and they're the worst enemies known to the human, human race, and both of them or one of them consider each other pure evil, And all this horrible stuff. And a lot of that stems from, uh, number one, uh, the instability of becoming, you know, divorced. Because the bottom line is your income's pretty much cut in half if it's a traditional divorce, uh, at least here in California. And the other thing is, is that, you know, children actually end up sometimes living in poverty at both homes because both are struggling uh, to make it and to recover. It takes a whole lot. A whole lot of common sense and a whole lot of calmness and a whole lot of adult uh, to do a divorce right. And unfortunately, many, many, many parents screw it up. So we're going to talk about this. You know, cooperative parenting uh, for many formal couples, uh, their parenting styles can be anything but a good parent. You know, as far as cooperating and becoming co-parents, a lot of people don't realize that when they're divorced, it's no longer the power differential of what existed in the home. Now it's two people who have rights and have custody and uh, are able to negotiate their relationship with their children and with each other because they're no longer uh, dominant and passive or whatever. It is two people that have an opinion that has to be heard, and a lot of people don't like that. You know, for children who live in a two-family two-home family, you know, co-parenting is the best gift that their parents can give them in order to minimize the stress, the confusion, the anguish that a whole lot of children experience during divorce process. You know, while there are, you know, varying reasons that separated or divorced couples have a difficult time keeping their children out of the middle of their conflict, at the heart of the issues lies their inability to remain child focused and that is the problem that's why um, sometimes if people can't get along they're asked to just write through the family wizard which is like a court uh, mandated email system and if they could do that the family wizard actually even has a uh, auditing uh, editing process on which will tell you whether it thinks what you're saying is good or not because anything you write goes to court and or can go to court in that kind of a system. But some people are so immature and so strange that they can't even communicate about their own children. They and so they're forced into like an email system because they're they're so hostile with text and voicemail and and uh, talking live to each other. It's just amazing. It's amazing that people that have children are so 
irresponsible, at least one, that they create a situation where a child has to be picked up and let off at a, at a, a, a restaurant or, or at a, a um, police station or a central place where, where it's okay for both people. That is just crazy stuff, you know? These kids' lives need to be normalized. And now, here's some examples of what divorce abuse is. Using your child to manipulate the other parent. Uh, making negative comments about the other parent, involving the police when there's no physical threat, uh, telling your child the truth in an attempt to align them to your cause, video or audio taping your child for court purposes, uh, using your child to communicate messages to the other parent, uh, overindulging your child in order to become the preferred parent, you know, uh, interrupting or blocking your child's time with the other parent, withholding your child's possessions to control or punish the other parent, uh, neglecting to take your child to their activities to upset the other parent, or interrogating your child for information about the other parent. Now, some people use withholding parenting information so that your child misses opportunities to share activities with both parents. You know, untreated divorce abuse can cause lasting damage in the lives of children. While the distress may vary, it 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 has a lot of the common signs. You know, in infants, at toddlers, and preschoolers, there's a lot of uh, developmental accomplishments. You know, they may return to uh, walking in the night or bedwetting or soiling themselves or delayed verbal communication. Uh, usually, these kids will cling to a parent, refusing to separate. And they develop separation anxiety and, and oftentimes they may cry and, and seem easily upset or express anger through biting, hitting, throwing toys. That's how infants and toddlers show their emotion because they have so little emotional intelligence. Also at school age, you know, six to eight years, oftentimes you'll see they're complaining of stomach aches, headaches, physical complaints. Uh, their school performance goes down. They attempt to uh, actively uh, reunite their parents, sometimes having problems uh, with uh, forced uh, parental involvement. They want to cause that so they can get their parents back together. And then if you've got the preteens, like the 9 to 12, they, they take sides and choose one parent over the other sometimes. And they also engage in stealing and lying and refusing to go to school. Uh, they tend to feel very alone and very frightened. But since they're easily embarrassed, they, they, may, you know, they may act unaffected. And so they act like they're apathetic and nothing can get to them. And so that's oftentimes what the preteens do. But now we get to the adolescents, you know, temporarily withdrawn to cope with feelings and emotions. You know, they go through these little pockets of time where they just kind of go into themselves. Uh, a lot of them become sexually active. And if they didn't in the preteen stage, you know, they, they'll do it there in the adolescent stage. Uh, some may use drugs or alcohol uh, to escape. And, and so, how do you protect your child from divorce abuse? Well, there's a lot of tools, and we're going to talk about that later on. But, you know, here's some hints. You know, you want to pre pre permit them to spend meaningful one-on-one -on -one time with each parent often as possible. We also want to have open and honest communication between your children and each of their parents. And you also want to reassure them that the divorce was not their fault and they'll continue to be loved and taken care of and that both of you will focus on them. Also, you want to allow them to express their fears, their concerns, their complaints and provide them with honest age-appropriate answers void of adult information or accusatory information of the other adult or other parent that would cause your children to, to uh, have a lot of stress. And, and so, you know, the best thing you could possibly do is de develop a humble 
and, uh, you know, cognizant, child-focused relationship with the other parent. Now, the sad thing is, is that many of you are probably the sane ones, and the insane ones are the ones that are not listening. And so that's, you know, sad. And I, I can tell you there's a lot of people that struggle with that. So, you know, what you want to do is, and I'm going to give you the tools on that later, is learn how to cooperate and work a working relationship, at least where you can focus your communication on the child. Every time accusations come forward, every time bad things come forward, what you want to do is refocus your communication on your child only. It's like a business relationship, and many of you operate in business. Many of you understand what business is about, and that means we don't have to to get emotional, what we have to do is get very, very logical and try to figure out the best way to solve problems. And so this is a problem. And if you get caught up in it emotionally, fighting with the other parent, you're only going to hurt your children. You know, children do not get divorced from their parents. You know, you have to respect this. The fact is they have to have a relationship with both parents. Now, some parents choose to not have a relationship or have a very minimal relationship with their child and this is sad we can't control that but we can cons- we can certainly develop a support system around them to try to help them uh, make their way through and by the way you know uh, children will identify with their same-sex parent and even if that parent is not the most likable not the best or the most responsible and many of you know you've obviously got divorced for reasons the deal is they're still their parent. And so you have to let the child have their own perception of their parent and let them grow through that and maybe see the light that maybe that parent is not so good and maybe in their adult life form a different relationship. But they're still a role model and you need to allow them that role of being a role model. After all, you did breed, you did create, you did adopt or whatever it did to to get that child in your life. You brought this on yourself, you brought this on with that person, and you've got to cooperate and take responsibility because that child has a life, and that life is here because of you. All right. Now, daughters, you know, tend to be uh, secretly identified with the other woman and sons of the other man. You know, daughters want to be the apple of daddy's eye. So if dad is more desirous of another woman or more interested in something other than the family, like being at the bar, the daughter will at some point want to explore this other world. And the daughter will tend to uh, uh, keep this secret from the mom for fear of being disloyal to her. You know, the the case is similar for the sons. It's helpful to bring this secret to light and to talk about it non-judgmentally. You know, sometimes they just align with uh, the other person and the, the other person in the, uh, in, in the uh, parent and the father or the mother's life trying to understand why this happened to them. You know, uh, you also have to be very aware of children filling in gaps. You know, divorce creates gaps in the family structure and the lives of both parents. Children will be drawn towards filling these gaps. Some will resist and pull away, you know, often to their parents' dismay, but some will get stuck in the gap. For instance, uh, uh, children will solve their parents' loneliness. Sons may try to discipline their younger siblings like a father. Daughters may become their father's companion. Uh, When uh, gap plugging takes precedence over the child's own personal development, then the plug needs to be pulled and that child needs to get their life back. And it's up to parents to recognize, is my child having to become an adult or is my child still enjoying their childhood? You know, uh, conflict can be easily 
especially intense if a child acts like a, a junior version of the divorced spouse. And this can be interpreted as disloyal or a stab in the back. And the marital conflict can get replayed on the children because they're mimicking what they saw in their father or mother. And they take that on and they throw that back at you. However, rather than a deliberate affront, the child is more likely shoring up their personal identity through identification of the other adult, and that's how we all develop. We fill in the gaps of who we are with role models, and we simply develop through that. And many times those behaviors go away and don't stay the same. But a lot of times parents will hang on to that and resent the child and actually begin having the same relationship, divorce relationship with their own child because they see traits that trigger them. Um, you know, you don't want to lock into triangle and go between setups. You know, a triangle occurs when a third person is drawn into a one-on-one relationship, you and me against him. You know, go-betweens are, are third persons who are in the middle between two persons who should be dealing directly with each other. So children can go between their divorced parents trying to bridge the gap. And also can, parents can uh, put the kids in the middle by pumping information or battling for loyalty. And so one parent can try to be the go-between for their ex-spouse and their child. And and remember that strong one-on-one relationships are the best basis for post-divorce family functioning. Absolutely. Don't refuse your concerns with your children's concerns. You know, don't confuse your concerns with your children's. Whenever you feel for your children, double check whether you are projecting your own feelings and concerns on them. And if you're concerned that your child is feeling abandoned, hurt, scared, trying to say I'm feeling abandoned, hurt, scared, deal with your feelings first. Only then will you be able to be there for your child. And you also want to be aware of trying to make it up to your children. You know, guilt is not a good basis for parenting. Parents need to return to parenting as soon as they're emotionally able. You know, it may not be the same parenting roles had been prior to the divorce. For instance, soft parent will, will do need to be more disciplined. Uh, a hard parent will need to be softer. For some parents, this will be a welcome on opportunity to explore. But some people, uh, they, they don't invest in what the child needs and they may maintain or shift their role to something the child uh, can mow over and basically do whatever they want. And so a lot of a lot of people feel guilt in a divorce and they'll operate as such. You know, when kids become adolescents, they may want to be with the other parent and you have to understand that's normal. Through the developmental phases of life, all kids align with one parent or the other at some point in their life more so than at other points in their life. That doesn't mean they love one more than the other. It just means that that is who they need right now to get through their own issues in their own lives. And you need to respect that. And so, you know, though you may have some hardcore uh, uh, write-up in court that says what custody should be, what you also need to understand is what does a child need and which parent does a child need right now. And you also want to communicate uh, values rather than insist on control. You know, for various reasons, control over your children may become very difficult to achieve or reassert when you only have them half the time. So it'll help if you keep control of yourself. Be firm, be patient, keep uh, asserting expectations like homework and tidiness and curfews. 
you know, but but try thinking there there's something more important than control, and that is the communication of positive values and reinforcing those values. So consistency in your home is very, very important rather than discipline. This, the consistency of values and communication of values, respect of their opinion, no matter what age, is very, very critical. All right. Now, um, there's a lot of things that we may want to consider when we're um, – when we're working with our children in a divorce, you know, what we want to do is, first of all, understand that uh, we have to put aside our own anger, our own hurt, our own betrayal, and our own sadness. And that means if you can't do it uh, by yourself or with your friends, go see a therapist and talk about those things so that you can get them out and get more constructive for your children's sake. Because a lot of people just start leaning on their children and they, do, they fall into the trap of destroying their lives and delaying them developmentally and ruining their grades. So don't speak badly. This is rule number one. Do not speak badly about your ex to or in front of your children. This is something we all know, but it's easier said than done. And this includes looks, gestures, disin, uh, disinterested in things your child wants to tell you about, a, a special time at the other house. And, and not only should you not speak negatively, but you should encourage your children to talk to you without grilling them about the time they spend with him or her so that it's something in which they can associate not negative feelings. And also, you want to make children responsible for any form of communication between you and your ex. You do not want to make them responsible. Do not want to make them responsible for any form of communication between you and the ex. And this is obvious. And this includes scheduling, school information, transportation changes. You know, making children communicate for you forces them into a potential situation where they may get a reaction that should have been one for you. And you'd also never want to discuss money with your children as it relates to your ex. That is never, 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 never a good idea. Um, and also accepting the fact that you do not control what's going on at the other parent's house, you have to realize that they're going to parent differently there and you're going to parent differently. You also don't want to ever make your children feel guilty for being away from you. And a lot of parents do that because they want the, the child to feel like they're, uh, you know, hey, you know, I'm feeling bad that you're away from me and, you know, it's sad and all that stuff. Well, children take that very serious. All right. We're going to move on. And we're going to talk about how parents can adjust after divorce and get a great reaction. We're going to talk about some do's and don'ts. And we're going to go into how not to ruin your child's life. Come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Look 
inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Now, we're talking about um, divorce abuse, which is when we put children in the middle after a divorce. You know, divorces come in emotional stages, and uh, they're fairly common. Not everybody experiences them in the same way. But generally, the stages of uh, emotions that oftentimes go through a divorce is denial, at first, and th- this this is basically it's moving through a storm, but it's like pretending everything is all right. You know, it, it's your it's your brain's way to protect you from becoming emotionally overwhelmed, and it's also useful to cope with life when things are progressing to the next stage very quickly, and you're not prepared for it. And so, you know, there's a lot of scary things that happen in a divorce because it's ripping life apart and then reconstructing it. Also, there's an anger stage, especially if uh, if the ex is doing better or worse than you are. There's a lot of bashing uh, that may go on, and there's a lot of blame, uh, blame for problems uh, that, that take place because the child is now being fully exposed to the other parent at, at the level in which that parent may have operated in the marriage or may not be may not have operated in the marriage. Now they may be doing more and the child is seeing more of them and you're still seeing them in the capacity of what they were when you were married. Also, then there's the bargaining stage and this is an attempt to uh, put on the brakes, uh, stop the train, get your life back. Uh, It may not have been a a great life, but it, it could be a whole lot better and in that stage of bargaining, uh, sometimes what it happens is inconsistencies happen in the divorce and people put on the brakes on deals that they made in the divorce and then they want to change them. And sometimes this happens during the divorce and this can be a very, very difficult process. Also, depression falls into uh, this when you no longer have control over things you wanted to control. Uh, depression will fall in, especially if you begin looking at your checkbook and wondering how you're going to pay the rent. And then there's acceptance, and that is the stage that we all want to have because if we can get to acceptance, all this crap about putting kids in the middle can go away. And the fact is, the quicker you can get to acceptance and understand that this is just the way life is and stop trying to go back and reconstruct and seek justice for all the things that didn't that went wrong – you have to let it go and live in the now. And if you do that, and it's easy to say, believe me, and I'm, I've been divorced. I completely understand this. 
But the, the fact is, is that, you know, you have to get to acceptance if you want to refocus your life on your children. Now, this is how children oftentimes uh, emotionally or, or react to a divorce. You know, it depends on the level of conflict, first of all. One of the most important uh, uh, factors that affect children's adjustment to divorce is how much the parents fight in front of the child. You know, some children see constant fighting and criticism of the other parent. There may be difficult custody battles. These experiences can be very hard on children. They make their adjustment to divorce very difficult because now they got to pick one over the other or they got to play, play act at one and play act at the other and they can't fully be themselves. You know, and also the other factors that, that take place is how the parents adjust to the divorce. You know, children adjust better if the parents adjust better. And that is a huge, huge, very important thing. And also how children react to divorce is based on how the information to the children is given. You know, children should know that they are loved and the divorce is not their fault. They need the information that is understandable for their age. And they also should know what is going to happen to them. You know, where are they going to live? Where will their school be? How how will their uh, visit with the non-custodial parents be? Where brothers or sisters are going to be staying together or divided? You know, other children may want to know what will happen to them if the parent, if one parent dies. You know, that's huge. We may not go through our mind, but it goes through their mind. You also, young children do not need details about court matters, child support, finances, intimate details about the divorce. They, if they need to appear in court, they. They will need some information, though, and the amount of information will be different for, for children of uh, different ages. But they should go to a therapist, and they should discuss what is healthy for a child to discuss in court or know in that. You know, uh, also, children uh, may ask you uh, questions as a, a child care provider. You know, they, they tend to ask a lot of people that they feel safe with a lot of questions. So, we want to be careful not to put them in the middle of the divorce and try to keep the information about them comfortable and safe. And uh, also… When children react to the divorce, the level of social support is very important. A lot of people lose their friends and family, uh, lose alignments of relationships they've had over a long period of time when divorce happens because nobody wants to get the cooties. Nobody wants to have to be a part of it. But you also have to reach out and ask them to help you with your children and help you cooperate to help their lives and focus on them. If they're not wanting to talk to you too much or your your, your spouse too much, was very important is that they maintain the relationship, try to maintain a relationship for your children, especially if they have friends that are in other friends' families. So what we want to do is make sure we're not interrupting that social support because to children, that's everything to them. And it's also important to us as parents to have friends in our lives. But sometimes we have to take the reality that some friends don't want to be in our lives because they don't like what's happening and they may take a position on that. We cannot change that. But what we can do is reach out for other support by going deeper into our neighborhoods, our communities, to our family, and try to find people that can help us. Every single parent needs help. Um, Also... It depends on a child's gender, how they react. You know, both boys and girls are affected by divorce and need support. However, researchers have found that boys are affected more. One reason might be that it's okay for girls to show their feelings. And sometimes boys at certain age have been told that their showing of their feelings is not comfortable. And so we have to communicate to them that it's okay 
to show your feelings. Also, uh, children's ability to cope with stress, you know, that is huge. We have to measure that when we're looking at divorce and we're trying to have to understand it. Even if we're already divorced and bad things have happened, we also want to look at how a child copes with stress. You know, children react the same situation in different ways. Even children within the same family will respond differently. So some children are able to handle stress situations. Other children may become angry and get get in trouble. Still other children may get very quiet and depressed. It is very important to pay attention to the clues kids give you through their behavior. And and, uh, you help them in ways by measuring how that fits their age, their personality, and their situation. And also, you know, children will benefit greatly if you can get them uh, in uh, help in all kinds of healthy ways about their feelings. You know, this is a very emotional time. And if you're able to get them to somebody like a therapist that can develop a relationship with them, they oftentimes have a much better way of getting through a divorce. All right, here's some do's and don'ts. You know, and this is common sense. And a lot of research has been done and come to the same conclusions. You know, you don't want to discuss any issues pertaining to the children in front of them or if they are within hearing distance of either parent. Also, you do discuss child-related issues directly with the other parent and when children are not present and they are out of earshot. You also don't ask them to carry or relay messages verbal or written but you do want to talk to one another without using the children you don't want children to play the detective meaning that they're a source of information about the other parent's life but you do want to obtain information about one another from sources other than the children so you understand what's going in the dynamic of the home over there so that you're better able to communicate and and uh, work with your child and understand what they may or may not be going through You know, don't ask kids to keep secrets from the other parent. You want to encourage them to speak freely to both parents. And you don't want to respond to their reports of disparaging remarks about you uh, by the other parent. The less you say, the less you participate in putting them in the middle. And you want to reserve, you just have to resist that urge to respond to their reports of disparaging remarks. Uh, You know, less is more. The less you say, the more you help them stay out of the middle. Also, never, ever, ever discuss financial or legal matters related to your divorce. You want to keep all discussions of financial and legal matters between both adults. You know, um, if you want to, you know, hurt a child's life, a lot of people in a divorce have an opportunity to rebalance their relationship with your children. And so here's some pointers, especially for people who during a divorce and just during life, if you're a parent in, in, in life, you want to remember how you can very much destroy a child's self-esteem, destroy their sense of, of who they are, and uh, basically ruin their life. And so here's number one, and it's a big one. You get so busy providing that you don't have time for them. You know, kids are like plants. I mean, they grow every day. They need regular attention and direction. You know, uh, when children turn out poorly, as many do, parents are always at a loss as to why uh, this has happened. Well, this often happens because maybe you did a great job providing a beautiful home, a beautiful life, food in the fridge, but you didn't provide love. You didn't provide support. You didn't step into their life and play a role in their life. You know, it, it's, it's what you didn't do. You, it's by not taking care of the children and not taking care of their personal needs and not trying to meet them at the level that they are and hear them and spend time 
You know, you have to do that with children. They need you in their life. They don't need you like hovering over them all the time, but they need to know you love them and that you want to spend time with them and that you're there to listen. You know, uh, children need the constant sunshine of a smile and and safety and a sense of softness and love. And so if you're not going to do that and your child turns out weird or turns out failing in some ways, look at yourself and what you didn't do and maybe you're going to find that that is the hole that has hurt them. Also, setting bad examples. You know, the same thing parents do that will assure a bitter outcome for children is to set a bad example. You know, some people, if they fight in front of kids, the children end up doing the same thing in their life. You know, whether it's fighting in front of the kids or in private, it will be destructive if they can hear it. You don't want to do that with any with any distance of children. You want to keep that out of their life. You know, they want they are very loving souls and they want to express themselves uh, with emotion. And what happens is they use explosions like parents do when they have very little emotional intelligence, both parents and children. And the parents often argue and scream and shout. So the kid goes, I can relate to that. And they do that. And that's how they release. And so they begin doing that. And their whole life becomes about shouting and not listening and over-talking their partner and, and trying to have a power relationship rather than a respective co-relationship. You know, also, if, if a parent is negative, and this is huge, if, if a parent is, they express their unhappiness on a regular basis and they don't look at their child and tell them the great things that they're doing, they do that every once in a while, but they don't do it every day, they don't do it on a continuous basis, what happens is the child forms the self-esteem correlated to the negative opinion of themselves. And a lot of people that are going to, through a divorce are creating a lot of negative energy. Sometimes they take it out on the children. And so the, dig, the big deal is you have to stay positive towards children. You want to positive reinforce the great things they do. If they're artistic, if they're musical, if they're talented at math, if they're good at reading, whatever it is, if they're good at making friends, if they're a nice person, if they do kind things to help people, these are things that we really want to uh, talk to about our children and reinforce because that means we're teaching values. But a lot of people will go towards negativity and criticism, especially if they see their former spouse in their child, which you can't help but do that if you guys bred. And so the bottom line is you can't project what you feel for an ex into your child. You don't want to load them with negativity and you don't want to be better if they're at one point aligning more with the other parent than you. They will come back around if you stay open. You have to stay open and you have to work from a sense of hope. Also, if you're not enforcing boundaries, this is another way, and a lot of parents do this out of guilt when they get divorced. They don't reinforce boundaries, and they basically uh, want no kind of conflict in their child's life at this point. But you have to realize that that uh, boundaries and structure are what show all children of all ages that you love and care for them. The more you're about structure and consistency and boundaries, boundaries meaning what's good and what's bad, that means that we're flexible. That means that we're living in a life where we're focused on our kids. So structure, and I'm not talking about power. I'm not talking about you do what I tell you or not. You know, if you want to raise a healthy child, give them options, including the option to fail. You know, they are not your personal product. These are souls living a human life. 
they have come to this earth maybe looking like you, maybe acting like you because that's all they know. But the bottom line is you don't have control of them and you're, you're basically shaping them. So you have to thank them. And also, you want to let them choose their friends. A lot of parents pick and choose the friends for their children. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of kids out there that are struggling, that are doing stupid stuff like drugs and alcohol. That doesn't mean we don't restrict when they spend time with these friends. But what it does mean is they need a support system outside of family. And we all have to understand how to communicate and how to navigate relationships that are outside of our family because we have to do that to get a job. We have to do that to live life, to survive. We have to depend on people sometimes outside of our family's life. So the bottom line is don't pick and choose their friends. You may pick and choose the times they could be with their friends, but you don't want to pick and choose their friends. You know, kids aren't wise, but they understand wrong choices and they need guidance and oversight until they're about 20 years old and sometimes even a little older, sometimes up to 32, 35 years old. But the deal is we have to let them fail a little bit. Um, that doesn't mean uh, we, we uh, guard them to the T against P kids that may be a bad influence. You know, the, the truth is all kids have negative aspects to them because they're not fully grown. And many, of, if not all adults in this world, have bad parts to them. Everybody does. But we have to let our child go through that a little bit. You know, finally, you can destroy children by not giving them any responsibility or holding them accountable. You know, I always talk about a contract, developing, you know, five items, and if you don't do these, then this is what you lose, and you lose it for a week. You know, the deal is you have to be hard and strong with a kid. That doesn't mean you're all into punishing them, but what it does mean is you want to teach them how to be responsible for themselves, their lives, their choices, and also holding them accountable for those choices and when they don't take responsibility. That doesn't mean we're mean or harsh. It just means we hold them accountable. Um, it doesn't mean we make their life miserable, but we have to make them be responsible if they're going to survive in this world. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk. come back. We're going to talk about putting kids in the middle, how people do uh, don't want to do that, the things that they might want to do to become a competent parent and how they may want to start communicating with their child and develop boundaries. Come right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about putting children in the middle. It's called divorce abuse. Now, you know, I I brought up the idea of uh, holding kids accountable. And I want to be very careful to say this because, you know, the deal is... The key ingredients is without trying, uh, neglect or preoccupation becomes a, a, a culprit. You know, it, it's basically responsible action is the duty of all parents and uh, and all people. And accountability is inevitable result of being part of a society. And we have to teach that to our kids. And the and the. the Principal cause and effect is well understood when there is two people in the room insofar as they can have an effect on each other, each is responsible for their own actions. And so, the you know, we have to be responsible for ourselves. And this is the ultimate thing of teaching your kids. You should give your kids responsibility according to their ability. You know, if a child can uh, walk, uh, they should be held responsible for picking up dirty clothes putting them in the laundry basket, cleaning up spills, placing their toys and books back where they belong. You know, this is a foundation of all responsible actions. This is the beginning. And so we still have to do that. Even in a divorce, we still have to properly parent. You know, and as they get older, they should be responsible to do their share of chores. They need to be held responsible to keep up with their boots or their shoes when they come outdoors and come back in. Uh, you know, if they lose things, they, they may have to replace them or they may have to earn something, uh, some money from you to do things. Or they may have to end up going to a secondhand store to replace it because you can't afford to buy a new one. You know, accountability is, is what you demand and exactly when they are caused to uh, answer for the way they've handled their responsibility. So if you ha- fail to hold them accountable, they, in fact, are, are not become not responsible and they become hard to work with in both homes. And, you know, it's very important if you can with your co-parent to try to at least get on the same uh, um, chore-based responsibilities and the, having both homes integrate responsibilities into each other, into the children's lives. And I know I'm talking romantically here because sometimes you just have a co-parent that is pathetic and, and sad. But, you know, the, the secondhand thing is at least your home will be the healthy model that your child will learn from, hopefully. Now, uh, this is, you know, competent divorce. And th- this may sound like a, you know, oxymoron, you know, like uh, like uh, if we define a, a confident, uh, competent divorce, it's one which the parents communicate and cooperate in a business-like way for the sake of their kids. You know, so here's some things that are needed, that parents put the needs of the children ahead of their own. They keep the children out of the middle. They make sure there's no interruption in parenting, and they work cooperatively, and they relate each other in a very business-like way, which is very different than how they related to each other in their married life. And so, you know, stick to the business of hand. That's a business-like communication. Take one issue at a time. Focus on the present and the future, not the past. Leave out all the emotional baggage, even if you had a horrible divorce, even if you're living in 
abject poverty, you want to leave out all those negative emotions and you also want to listen very carefully. And if you don't particularly like the other parent, you have to do business together. And sometimes we have to do business with people we don't like. You know, uh, while you're no longer together, you are partners in parenting your kids. So it would be for the rest of their life that you guys are going to play some role, hopefully, in your child's life. So you really want to develop a business-like strategy for a divorce and stop trying to have other agendas. Stop trying to renegotiate the divorce through or, or show your unhappiness with the divorce through your children. Here's some uh, you know, communication protocols, and, and, uh, and this is very important for the abil- uh, parent's ability to communicate very effectively. And these are some of the guidelines, and these are just a few. But you want to have direct, open communication between parents regarding the children. You want to be respectful and courteous and responsive. You want to focus on the present, like once again. Once again, you want to address one issue at a time. You want to make requests and not demands. And you also want to becoming polarized, avoid becoming polarized over right and wrong. A lot of people after divorce have to do the right and wrong. I told you, look what they done. You know, we have to really try to characterize that other person. And you also want to listen and acknowledge and try to understand their perspective. You know, each of us has our own truth. How absurd our truths may be, we can't uh, do much about that, but that's where we have to start. And uh, so the deal is, if you couldn't do that during your marriage, you certainly need to do that during a divorce. Otherwise, you hurt your children's lives. You know, uh, it's a good idea to call the other parent. If you can call them or if you can leave a message or if you can leave an email, whatever, but be respectful. And if you're going to do this, uh, you know, if you're going to use social media to bash each other, you're just going to create a horrible relationship of putting the children in the middle again because there's going to be emotions and negative feelings that that other parent's going to have. And uh, if you're being immature in that way, that kind of stuff comes back around. Plus, it's a legal document. So anything in social media is a legal document. So if you're going to put stuff out there, if you're going to tweet, if you're going to Snapchat, whatever the media is, Facebook, it's a legal document. And yes, it can be gone back and gotten. Yes, they can find it. And there are no secrets. And so when you do stupid stuff like that, you have to realize that you are doing stupid stuff and it's going to come back and hurt your child's life. You know, people read social media. You can't control who reads it. You can try to control, but usually the other party will hear. You know, setting boundaries. You know, if you and your uh, ex-spouse had trouble communicating while you're together and how you're supposed to communicate now, you know, how are you supposed to communicate now that you're divorced? You couldn't even communicate when you were married. So during separation and divorce, there there is a, a very organic change that needs to be respected. And that means that both of you are going to have your own lives. And you cannot control each other's lives. So people are led to believe that by divorcing, they'll solve the problem of their bad marriage. But if they have children, there has to be interaction between ex-spouses while children are growing up and even after. So, you know, there's going to be grandchildren. There's going to be maybe religious events. There's going to be parties. There's going to be graduations. Some people maintain, you know, holidays. Some people maintain a, a, a battle mentality very long after the marriage is over. And unfortunately, their children become collateral damage and their grandchildren. So, you know, 
negative feelings from a divorce persist uh, long after the divorce is final many times. But even though the marriage was unfixable, ex-spouses can still get along or at least appear to get along in front of children. And that is the only time you need to show you get along is doing it in front of the kids. You know, just because you're divorced doesn't mean you have to hurt each other anymore. Now the hurt is over. Now it's about healing. Now it's about staying focused on the positive and control what you can control, which is you. Also, uh, difficult as it is, you act as though you like your ex. This is something that you're almost obligated to do. It's it's horrible to do because you may not stand them, but be polite. You you don't want to incite anger, especially when the children are present. And even though you are divorced, you are still your child's role model. And children benefit when both exes are kind to each other. If the other one is not, you be the one that rises to the higher mountain and stand up there and be a better person. You know, if your ex is a late dropping off kids and is not the most uh, cooperative person in the world, you know, don't make waves. Save your strength for the big battles. After your ex moves on with their life, they'll probably lose some of their antagonism. They're doing that to try to hurt you. And that oftentimes happens. And unless you have a court order, you don't want to restrict your ex from seeing or talking to your children. Never, ever use your children as a power ploy. You know, it, it, it is a horrible thing to do that because children don't have any choices. And when you try to restrict the other parent from their life, this can hurt them. Now, it is one thing if that parent is abusive or is, is, is somebody that is doing illegal things or doing things that putting them in a dangerous situation or not uh, becoming an adult. You know, maybe they're drunk all the time. You know, bottom line is we do want to preserve our children's lives. But if that's the case, we want to take legal action and not uh, not put the kids in the middle. You know, so the deal is just by going to court and trying to take possession because one has more finances than the other, uh, leave that out of the children's lives. And, you know, a lot of people, it's so funny, they do this custody crap because money. And that's sad. I see it all the time in family court. All of a sudden, they want more time with their kids for the money. And then they dump them on their new girlfriend or their new spouse or somebody else, grandma, grandpa. But that's all because they need to lower the amount of money they spend uh, with the other person. And it's just sad. But I see this all the time. So here's another thing. You know, uh, possessions, mail, instructions, don't put them in the middle. You know, uh, if you have an irrational ex who has become intolerable, you know, you may have to go back to court a few times. And uh, you may have to comply with a, a custody order you currently don't agree with, but you can get those things changed. And it's a work in progress. But I have to tell you, after 14 years old, very few police officers are going to be dragging kids back to one parent or the other. At 14, pretty much, at least in California, most kids can negotiate which house they want to spend their time with no matter what the court paperwork is. They have that right, and at that point, they can make choices. So oftentimes at about 14... Whatever you have in your court paperwork is out the door and whatever relationship you've developed with your child is what weighs in. And that is the parent that they want to spend the more time with. Um, So, you know, you do not want to bring your children with you in a mediation court, uh, in a mediation or court unless they've been instructed to come. You know, you want to shield them from those kind of activities. You know, it's very hard to be fair when the other party isn't. But in the long run, 
fairness is going to serve you well. It won't take long for your children to figure out what's going on. You know, for it may take time. It may be when they become an adult that they have insight. But you have to understand that is what is a priority for all parents that are getting divorced, that you have to understand that you're both going to deal with it differently and that things will work themselves out and eventually your child will see what they need to see to understand why things happened the way they did. And and that takes time, guys. And it doesn't always happen on the clock you want it to happen on. Okay. So, you know, uh, if you're talking if you're talking about court action in front of your children or around your children, not a good idea. Uh, once again, stay off the negative things. Do uh, you, you do want to ask, especially after 12 years old, where a child wants to live? Because at that point, uh, their value systems are pretty much developed. And they do need to have a floating target of which parent they need at a, at a different time. So it's a really good idea to have that conversation with your kids about where they want to live after 12 years old. And uh, if you argue... With the other parent, where the other, uh, where the children can hear, this causes the same level of conflict in their hearts and minds as when you were together saying negative things, or if you're in your own home saying negative things about the other parent. You know, some other things you do want to do is, is, is ask your children what happened then when they were uh, visiting the other. And you do want to tell your children about what happens at the other house, having an open dialogue about what's going on at both houses. And I'm not talking about uh, spying information, but that you're involved in their life all the way through. That is, you're weaving in and out of their life. You want to be interested in the things they're interested in. If you've got a daughter in Girl Scouts, then get involved in Girl Scouts in some way. If there's school activities and you need to know about them, get involved in that. But you, you really want to talk to your children about what's going on in their life, and that includes time at the other person's house. And, uh, you know, we know that you want to be a good parent. And, and you have to realize that a lot of the things you're doing is because you want to be a good parent. So don't pump. Don't, uh, don't pass, have kids pass message. And, and for the love of kids, you know, the challenge for parents who divorce bitterly is to love the children more than they hate their former partner. And that is critical. And I've said this so many times before, and I'll say it again. You never know who you married until you divorce them. All right, that's our show. Multiple marriages is our next show. So what is the deal with people that have multiple marriages? I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, you never know how inappropriate song lyrics are until you hear your child singing them. (laughs) And when I heard my two-year-old singing some songs, it flipped me out. Also... Divorce in Latin means to rip a man's genitals through his wallet. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.